0: Well, this morning, we're wrapping up our series in the Psalms. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go out with a bang. We're going to look at three Psalms, actually, all together. One four, we're going to just take all the last three, 148, 149, and 150. And uh, really, they all kind of go together. And this idea of, of praising the Lord, of uh, worshiping the Lord. And so we're going to look at that today. But uh, before we do... Uh, Would you join me in prayer? And then we'll dive into the text together. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thank you um, for the goodness and his grace. Uh, Just reminded again of your grace to us as a church for 30 years. And we pray that uh, that would continue and you might do incredible things in the next 30. Um, Thanks for the privilege of being a part of it. I pray today that as we look at your word... um, it, it would stir our hearts to love you more, to, uh, to praise you more, to enjoy you more. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray against the enemy. He would love nothing more than to steal our joy in you and uh, accuse us and tempt us. But instead, would you bring the joy of the Lord to us this morning and uh, show us your joy from your word and stir our hearts to praise and to praise Jesus first. Father, we love you, and we pray all of this through Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning, the the theme of these psalms, I already said it, is praise the Lord. In other words, you might sum that up in another word, and I just call it worship. The the theme of these psalms is is worship, is praise. And, And what I want you to come away from these psalms this morning with is this sense of, of God is great, and, and I'm going to worship him, I'm going to worship Jesus first. First, okay? That's where we're headed this morning, that we worship Jesus first. But before we get going, we ought to throw a definition of worship out on the table, because uh, our church, like so many others, people come from so many different backgrounds, and, and we might have different ideas of what the word worship means. Uh, we might think of music. We might think of uh, uh, especially music, I think, in our culture. We might think of just a Sunday morning. We might think of something totally different. But at its core, here's what worship is. Here's what worship is at its core. It's simply an expression of something or someone's worth. That's what worship is. It's to express the worth of something or someone. That's worship. In fact, the wor- our, our word worship comes from this old English term, worship. It's expressing worth. But now, there's other ways we could go with that, but but I'm just going to lay that out as a really simple definition to work with this morning. So when we talk about worship in terms of God, it's an expression of his worth, of, of his value, of his glory. That's what we're talking about when we talk about worship in the church and in our lives. But, you know, I don't know about you, but, do You worship other things too. Like I don't know, I don't, I don't really, I don't go sing to other. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say, I bet you do. You and I, we worship a lot of things other than God, and we can't help it. The way we're designed, we're naturally pouring out worship. We're always expressing worth somehow. Here's some things I wrote down. Uh, I just made a list. Sometimes we worship our career. We worship our career. I, I got to climb the ladder. I got to. But i got to get important and get that title and get that office and get that check up. We worship our stuff we worship our stuff i just if I just had some more stuff, whatever brand it is, we worship food, some of us we worship our country, we worship our health, we worship our family You're like oh hold on josh you don 't know my family I don't i don 't bow down to my family no nope. i don 't worship my family. No, you may not physically bow down to them, but at the end of the day, many of us worship our family. You worship your spouse. You worship your kids. I'd argue that, sadly, many people worship their family more than they worship Jesus. They express the worth of their family and the worth of their children more than they express the worth of Jesus Christ. They value their family higher in their actions. They express their worth more than Jesus' worth. You know who else we tend to worship? Ourselves. We worship ourselves. We put what we want first. We express our value and uh, just do what feels good to you. And we we suffer from FOMO. Do you know what that is? F-O-M-O? Fear of missing out. We're always scared of missing out on something for ourselves. And we worship ourselves by trying to fulfill those needs all the time. And, you know, you're saying, I, I don't know, Josh, I don't know if I get it still. I, I don't know that I worship myself or I worship my family. Uh, I don't know if I buy it. Well, I would contend to you there's three ways primarily that we worship things and people. Three ways. You've heard me say them many times, but but I'll repeat them here. First, we give our time to it. We give our time to our, to those things or to those people. Let's Let's go with the family one because that's just a... That's an easy one, and that's one I know that, that that's I'm going to have to combat more and more as Charlie grows up, and as uh, hopefully if we were able to have more children, and let's just start with that one. You know, I don't, I don't worship my kids more than God. Okay, well, why is it then that that so many people orient their calendars around their kids, and rather than make church a priority on a Sunday, it's that that's hard work, and maybe I'll skip that. But there's no way I'm. I'm skipping that soccer match or that softball game. I paid good money for that. And we're going to get there no matter what. Or that tournament. We don't give it a second thought. And hear me, I'm not, I'm not accusing, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just making observations, okay? So I, I have nobody in mind when I say these things. So if you feel like I'm preaching at you, maybe that's the Holy Spirit, not Josh, okay? I'm just talking in generalities here. I'm just asking the question, what do you worship more? What do your actions then communicate to your kids? Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa? Do you drop everything on your calendar to please certain people? Your kids or your grandkids? That's one way is we we give our time to it. And it's just, uh, whatever I, look at your calendar. Where is the, now should you care for your kids? Yes. Should you care for them a lot more than anybody else's kids? absolutely i hope you do <laughs> but but i'm just saying guard yourself that you don't put them up on a pedestal as an idol and worship them instead of jesus cuz they can never live up to who jesus is and they'll fall and they'll get hurt and you'll get hurt the other thing that we you can so time is one the other way you can tell what you worship is what do you give your talent to what do you give your talent to Let's go back to the career piece. Maybe you give a lot of time to your career. Maybe you give all of your talent. And you're always like your whole focus is I, I just I, I'm doing this so that I can climb that ladder and I can get there and I can do this. Now, is it wrong to foster those talents? Absolutely not. In fact, you should. But, but Paul tells us do everything that you do with all your might as unto the Lord not for your own glory or for the sake of your career, but as unto the Lord, represent him well. We're gonna, we're gonna be having a series this fall talking about work and why work is a good thing and how God designed us to work, whether that's a, at home or in a career or whatever that is, God's designed us and that's a good thing. But be careful that that doesn't become what you worship. Make sure Jesus is first. The other, thing, the other way we tell what we worship is we give our treasure to it. We give our treasure to it. Again, I'm not I'm not picking on you for loving your kids here, but here's another example from when I was a youth pastor: is um, it, it was amazing to me. I'd always and I understand because it's a lot of money to go like on a retreat or to take kids on a missions trip, and some, usually a retreat was around a hundred dollars. A Missions trip sometimes was was way multiple times of that. And boy, I, I don't know, that's a lot of money, Josh. I don't, I don't, you know, you got to get that cost down. And we tried. But yet, the next weekend, the same family might be sending their kids to a camp that costs twice that. <laughs> or uh, to something else. Where do, you give your, where do you give your treasure to? Again, I'm not picking on you. None of those things are bad. That's what you've got to understand is that good things become idols if we're not careful. Things that are really, really good and that you ought to care for and that you ought to be invested in, like your children and your family, become idols if you're not careful. And they become ultimate instead of Jesus. The question in front of you this morning is, what do you worship first with your time, your talent, your treasure? I'm not saying it's wrong to have your kids involved in sports or in 4-H or whatever else. I'm not even saying it's necessarily wrong to choose those things over a youth group event. I'm not. But I'm just challenging you, and I'm, I'm poking at some things this morning to say, what do you worship first? Really, be honest, what's first? What's first? Today's text clearly makes the case that God is to be worshipped first above everything else. Jesus is first. So as we head into this text, when we think about worship, you need to ask yourself, what is Jesus worth to me? I know what he's worth. He's God. but, But to you, what is he worth? And the reality is we tend to worship what we enjoy the most. We worship our kids because we love our kids. We enjoy them. We worship our career because we enjoy our career. We worship whatever it is because we enjoy those things. There was a Scottish preacher. Uh, his name was uh, uh, Thomas Chalmers. And he uh, led the free church in Scotland a little over 100 years ago, 150 years ago. And he wrote a sermon called uh, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And what he contended is that the way... Uh, that You get rid of sin in your life, because really, let's be honest, that's, when, I, when I worship something other than God first, that's sin, right? It's idolatry is what it is. It's one of the, it's one of the top ten sins. God put it in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> it's idolatry. So the way to, to replace sin, because sin is pleasurable, there's things about it we love, that's why we do it, is to replace it with a greater affection, to find something else we enjoy more. And I would commend uh, that you find someone else, his name is Jesus, that you learn to enjoy more. Because he's worth more. He's more enjoyable. We, we, we worship what we enjoy the most. Uh, Chalmers would have taught sometimes out of the Westminster Catechism, which says, uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I like what John Piper has done. He's taken it. He said, the chief end of man is to, to, to glorify God by enjoying him forever. You're wondering, I don't know how to clear my, you just need to learn to find joy and enjoy God. That's where we're headed in these Psalms this morning. The the Psalmist lists in these three Psalms all kinds of ways and reasons to enjoy the Lord. Okay, are you with me? So listen, all those things that I shared with you, ways we worship other things than God, the guy on the stage who's preaching at you is preaching at himself too, because I do it too. I'm guilty of idolatry just like you are. We need to put Jesus first, and it's a constant battle, amen? But the more we love him, the more we enjoy him, the easier it is, and it becomes natural. So we're going to work through these psalms, and my prayer for you and for me, you can pray it for me as I'm preaching, is that we learn to enjoy God the most, right? So here's the first thing I want to point out to you, and then we're going to jump right into Psalm 148. I would commend to you that everyone and everything worships. Everyone and everything expresses worth in some way, shape, or form. Everything that God has created does. You could could maybe say that we're commanded to worship, and we are. It's an obligation. But obligation to me feels like, oh, I have to. I have to. No, no, this is a get-to. This is a get-to. I want you to enjoy it. Know that we all worship. Everyone does. So... Let's start with everything. That's where the psalmist starts in Psalm 148. Are you ready? If you're ready, say go. All right. Everything worships. Psalm 148. In verses 1 through 6, he he starts out by uh, shouting at the heavens. Read it with me. He says, uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. God is to be praised from the heavens, even by the heavens. And by the way, this psalm, you're going to hear me say Jesus over and over. You're going to be like, Josh, I'm reading. I don't see Jesus here. I don't see it. Let me tell you, the the word, the phrase, praise the Lord, do you know what that phrase is? If you ever get to go to India with this, it's the one phrase that everybody will know. There's two, amen, and then this one, hallelujah. It's a Hebrew, it's a conjunction in Hebrew. It's the word hallel to praise and abbreviation of Yahweh. Yah, hallel, Yah, hallelujah, praise Yah, praise God. Yahweh's name, I am. Jesus declared himself to be I am, right? So we can rightly translate this and say this, uh, praise Jesus. You you with me? You tracking? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. He's to be praised from the heavens. Psalm 69 says, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. Look at verse 2. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. All his angels praise him. They, they, they form a huge choir. All his hosts, his, all the heavenly armies, all his warriors praise the king. He, one of the coolest scenes in the Bible is Revelation chapter 5. John writes this. He says in verse 11, then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the voice of many angels, they're obeying Psalm 148, verse 2. Myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. They're, they're praising Jesus. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I wonder if, if there's more to it that you just go, And this, and this, and this. And John just had to cut it off to fit it in a book for us. <laughs> but praise Jesus. Amen. Look at verse 3 then of Psalm 148. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. When you walk out this morning, there was a gorgeous sun, sunrise this morning. Did anybody see it? Do you know what the sun's doing when it rises? It's saying, praise Jesus. It's reflecting his glory. The, the heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist writes. The sun by day, the moon by night declare his power. They never stop witnessing to God's glory. So if you don't praise him, guess who will? All of creation. In fact, that's what Jesus said when he was walking in on Palm Sunday. All the Pharisees start criticizing him. They're like, your your followers are are getting too into it. They're too loud. Make them be quiet. Because they're just going crazy, worshiping Jesus as he comes in. And you know what Jesus says? He says this... um, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. If you don't worship him, the rocks will, the sun will, the stars will, the moon will. Praise him, all you shining stars. All the shining stars add their voice to the chorus of praise. Billions, think about this, think about this. Billions and trillions and quadrillions. And more billions of stars declaring the glory of God. You ever been out on just a perfectly clear night, somewhere where it's dark and you can see the stars? You ever tried to count them? You ever even wondered, like, how far away are they? Many of them are a lot bigger than our sun. They declare all throughout the universe the glory of Jesus Christ. They, they testify to his power and his artistry. Have you ever, you know, you read that. Praise him, all you shining stars. Well, you ever heard of, there's this field called astroseismology. Want get nerdy with me for a second? You heard of astroseismology? It's the study of the sound of space, of stars and of planets and of objects in space. Specifically, it's the study of the oscillation of the stars, like how they're moving, and just like a seismologist would measure waves in the ground to detect earthquakes and kind of what the ground is made of, well scientists have started using this especially it's become more and more popular in the last decade measuring uh, what what it's like inside of a star and how they're composed. And literally they can they can take these waves and and they can hear them as sound. You can you can translate them to sound and you can listen to the stars. Did you know that? Did you know that? Would you like to hear some? Would you? I was, I was looking online at this yesterday, or yesterday and, and yesterday I came across this video, but all, all week I was looking at this, and I, I was getting all this lined up, and then I was looking for one more star to tell you about, and then I found this video that I'd never seen before, and I'm like, okay, I just need to show you this, because this is a lot better than anything I could demonstrate to you. Check this out. We have to click one more time. He says, praise him,
1: sun and moon, and praise him, all you shining stars. That's not just a poetic idea. That's really happening because stars don't just shine. Stars also sing. Let me just show you a couple more stars. This one is called the Vela Pulsar, and it's magnificence a thousand light years away. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. Right. It simply means this star exploded into a supernova. And in the case of the Vela Pulsar, it collapsed back on itself in a magnetic entity. And as a pulsar, it began oscillating on its axis. This one oscillates 11 times a second on its axis. And as it is oscillating, you can see what's happening. It's shooting a radio frequency out of itself. When they aimed the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24 seven, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what from a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. Now I, I don't know about you, but I, that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. You're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something, or what? What does what all that mean? I don't know what it means, but and I don't want to, you know, go too crazy here. But maybe the Vela pulsar got wind somehow, innately of Psalm 148, verse three, and says it says, "Praise Him, sun and moon, and all you shining stars. We're a shining star. We should praise Him. Well, how are we going to praise Him? I know. Let's oscillate 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony. Of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to Him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a, a beautiful uh, cluster of stars. We'll show you the picture of it here. There are 12 of these supergiant blue stars in there, but the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars. And right now, tonight, while we're sitting in this room, the 16 recorded millisecond pulsars and 47 Tuck are making this sound right now. That was a little odd to that beautiful who knew no god has his own string section he's beautiful and we just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars and you start seeing psalm 48 come to life. But look down at verse seven. It says, praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures in all deeps. The the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. don't know the expanse of the worship that is continually surrounding the throne of God and our songs are great but God isn't banking on our songs because he is surrounded by a symphony that's bigger than our wildest dreams tonight stars sing and whales sing and the birds fly and I just tried to imagine what would it sound like if you could just for a second be God and hear what he hears and I can't get us there tonight but I, I came close I had a friend Who helped me with this little iPad program And and, and I'm not a DJ But just a little thing Just quickly and I I want you to see how this works This guy we didn't look at his picture He's PSRBO329-54 And he's only rotating one and a half times per second Which is not all that much But we need him in our little experiment We're going to do here Okay? Um, And then we had the Vela Pulsar You remember the Vela Pulsar right So that's that guy That's a little too fast for what we're trying to do, so we're going to slow that down, okay? And so we're going to put the, the millisecond guys in there, the ones you just heard. Here they come. You just saw, undoctored and unedited. Here they come. We just got two pulsars. And then 16 others whales, and we got something going. But I was asking what you're asking, because some people people need it really clear, like, what are they singing? And we tried this, and you just got to know this is unedited. We just dropped this on, and this is what happened. This is what they might be singing.
0: edited down you can go if you search for Louis Giglio on YouTube you can see the whole whole thing it's incredible if you go to soundcloud.com slash NASA you can listen to the stars all declaring the glory of God and there's only one part of his creation that gets to know him personally it's you and I great is our God. How great is Jesus. See, when you start to replace your affection for other things with a greater affection for Jesus, all those other things just seem to kind of come into balance. Don't they? Praise Jesus. Praise Him, you highest heavens. Praise Him, verse 4, you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. By the way, do you know how He spoke or how he created them. I just gave it away. He just spoke. Water. Let there be uh, water. How about light? Let there. You know, I mean, just, he's, God speaks. It happens. And he declares it good. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. All the heavens exist to praise God. Declaring his worth. Worshiping him. Then in verse 7, this psalmist directs his attention down to the earth from the heavens. We already heard some of this. Verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. Think about it, whether it's just a little minnow or a big whale. If it's a, a snail or a shark. All the creatures of the sea. Ones you've never laid eyes on are constantly giving glory to Jesus Christ. Verse eight, fire and hail, snow and mist. This picture I took uh, actually right over by Bob and Ann's house a couple winters ago. And it, it reminded me of Psalm 147 right before this where the psalmist writes, he gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. Do you think of God's power In the snow. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? Stormy wind fulfilling his word. Verse 8 says. All All weather patterns. Even stormy winds fulfill his word. The tornadoes a few weeks ago. Were they devastating? Yeah. But imagine how much more devastating the power of Jesus Christ is. They simply reflect it. Or the hurricane this weekend in Florida. And up the coast. Maybe instead of being afraid of the storm. You know what you might consider? (laughs) Creation is worshipping. Creation is worshipping. Are you? Because if you don't cry out. Creation does. They're all saying praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the earth. Mountains and hills. Whether it's the Himalayas. or, Or Mount Wawasee. They're praising Jesus Christ. All of it exists to glorify God. Fruit trees and cedars. They declare the splendor and the majesty of God. You ever try to list all the trees? Apple trees, cherry trees, sycamores, maples, oak trees, sequoias, redwood, poplars. Even those pesky cottonwoods that blow all over my yard. They're declaring the glory of Jesus Christ. Beasts and livestock. Don't forget the animals. Don't forget them, the cattle, the pigs, every creature in the 4-H barns. You thought it was a show to see who had the best cow or who had the best sheep? No, no, no. The sheep show is a demonstration of the glory of Jesus Christ. All the beasts and livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Do you think of creeping things as displaying the glory of God? Tarantulas and ticks? Worms and snakes, earwigs, centipedes. You cringing yet? Thankfully, we pay a pest guy so you don't have to worry about him. But it's easy to imagine the soaring eagle declaring God's glory. But what about every creature? They all glorify God. I wrote this along with the majesty of an eagle soaring through the air or a hummingbird hovering in front of a flower. Everything that creeps on the ground or burrows in it declares the unending creativity and power of Jesus Christ. And you know what's really cool? Remember that scene we saw earlier of the angels worshiping him in Revelation? It's not just in the heavens, it's also everywhere else. Look at verse 13 of chapter 5. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them. It's the fulfillment of Psalm 148. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Listen, this whole thing, all of life, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Learn to orient your life around him. Seek first the kingdom and everything else is added to you. Everything else falls into place. This is God's story. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. With the heavens and the earth, he gets to you and me. The heavens, the earth, don't forget the people. Look at verse 11. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and rulers of the earth. Kings, princes, and rulers. He's saying, give praise to Jesus Christ. The psalmist is saying, Merkel, Putin, Cameron, Obama, Holland. Praise Jesus Christ. Put Jesus first. Praise the Lord. Amen? That's what the psalmist is writing. Young men and maidens together, old men and children. Young men, old men, young women, old women. These boys are at the orphanage that you help support in India. They're having church, holding their Bibles up. We're going to be coming to you next Sunday with something pretty exciting. They have a church that meets in the orphanage. This is the orphanage that, that many of you gave so generously to build for them and help support these boys and uh, they're asking if we would be willing to give more to help fund an actual church building on that property. Uh, for about $10,000, we can build a church building in India. And the reason for it is that in India, you think about it, everybody who goes to worship, they're, they're not worship many are not worshiping Jesus And when they go, they go to a temple often to worship. And so to gain credibility for Jesus Christ and to declare his glory for them, to have a church building to worship in, to have a a temple, in a sense, with quotes around it, that they can come to and worship, gains credibility for the gospel. And maybe we would have a part to be able to help with that. We'll come to you with more details next Sunday. But young men, maidens together, old men and children, verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone, if you got your, if you got a paper Bible, you got an app, highlight it, circle that word. His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. In Isaiah 42, the Lord says, I am the Lord. That's my name. May glory, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. He's a jealous God. You're like, that sounds kind of arrogant. Well, he's God. He can be. (laughs) And the reason he wants your praise more than the idols in your life and in my life is because he knows that's what's best. He knows that's far more enjoyable. All of those things are just a reflection of who he is. Uh, Psalm 8. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Everyone everything worships a guy by the name of Harold Best wrote a book years ago uh, called unceasing worship. And he, he says we're continuous outpourers. We're always, we're just like a pitcher that never runs out. We can't stop. It's just always, no matter what we do, we're worshiping something. Uh, we, we pick out our clothes in the morning. In a sense, we're worshiping. We're declaring worth like that. That shirt looks better today than this shirt. We're always, but, but the, the key is, are you worshiping Jesus first? And that's the key. That's number two. Everything, everyone, everything worships. And you were designed to worship Jesus first. Not that you were designed to worship. You were designed by God worshiping. You just always are. The thing, you're, the thing here is that you're designed to worship Jesus first. Is he first? When you evaluate your time, talent, treasure, where do you need to repent and put him first? First. You and I have been created in the image of God. We're designed to reflect him. And we're we're supposed to focus our lives on Jesus. We just spend a ton of time enjoying God by enjoying his creation. But make sure you don't stop there. All of it's designed to point us to the designer. And do you know who it is? Listen to Colossians 1 verses 15 through 18. He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. Of everything you looked at and worshiped, uh, Jesus was first. He was before it all, in other words. Verse 16, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through him and for him. Just like the psalmist in 148 says, all of these things should give glory to the Lord. Uh, Paul is saying, yeah, they they were all created by Jesus. They're all to point to him. Verse 17, and he is before all things. Tell me, how many things does that include? All things. All. (laughs) I need to write that on my forehead and remember that sometimes. All things before them and in him all things hold together I could talk more about that verse 18 and he is the head of the body the church he's the senior pastor I hope if you talk about our church you don't say oh that senior pastor I don't like him because you're talking about Jesus I'm just the lead pastor here this is his church I do that to remind myself that it's his church he's the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be what's the word preeminent an easier word, one syllable, first. Worship Jesus first. So with that in mind, we all worship, everything worships, and Jesus is to be the first of our worship. Here's the third thing I want to commend to you, and we're going to kind of plow through 149 and 150 here quickly. Is that, And what I want you to see is that when we truly worship Jesus first, it's an exhilarating experience. There's something about it that's just like, that's awesome. Did you have that a little bit earlier? Even just thinking about how great God is as we sang with the stars, how awesome. Is there something about it that's unlike anything else when you know Jesus Christ and you worship him first? Why? Because Jesus is enjoyable. And he's a greater affection for you and for me. Look at Psalm 149. Praise the Lord, praise Jesus. Sing to Jesus a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Hey, that's us. That's us, isn't it? The assembly of the godly. Now you're like, I don't know. I know this person over here isn't. But if they trusted Jesus, you're made new. You're a saint. Again, a new song. He's always talking about new songs, the psalmist are, aren't they? He's, he's there. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. What's he done for you today? What's he doing for you today? This week? Praise him for it. That's a new song. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their King. See, I told you, we're to enjoy him. We're to be glad in Jesus Christ. You wondered if I really knew what I was talking about when I said you're to be to enjoy Jesus, didn't you? We're to be glad. There it is. It would be glad in your maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in our king. In their king. Who's our king? Help me out. Jesus. Jesus is our King. Rejoice in him. He's a good king. I'll be honest with you. I just I don't understand sometimes how people who have followed Jesus maybe for their entire life are not joyful. Sometimes. You ever notice that? Now sadly I couldn't be that way too, but hopefully I I catch myself in time to repent and reclaim my joy in Jesus. But there's sometimes people are just they're just never joyful. They're always complaining. Always with a sour face, always grumpy, always gossiping, never content, always grumbling, always complaining. It makes me sad. Somebody needs to get in their face and say, don't you understand how great Jesus is? Yeah, life is hard, but this is like so temporary compared to his glory. I don't want to negate what you're going through. I don't want to negate how hard it is. I don't. But turn your eyes to a greater affection. Turn them to Jesus Christ. Let them praise his name, verse 3, with dancing. Making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. That sounds like a party. That sounds like a New Testament party to me. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. It pleases God when we enjoy him. Do you know that? It pleases God when you enjoy him. Now, are there times to be reflective and to be somber? Yeah, but you know what really pleases his heart is when you enjoy him. When you sing at the top of your lungs, no matter how out of key you are. Do you know what? God isn't looking down going, "I I wish they would be quiet. They're ruining the whole thing. I wish they would quit moving. You're making a fool of yourself. Do you think he does that? I wish he would put his hands down. He look like an idiot. Everybody knows it. No. No. He rejoices in you enjoying him. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. There was an example of that in the Old Testament. Do you know it? In 2 Samuel verse chapter 6. David comes back from battle and he's dancing and singing and all excited. And his wife, McCall, do you know what she does? Um, she just she, her, it says that her heart turns bitter towards him. Uh, she gets very critical of him. You look like an idiot, David. And when he finally gets to the house, she's like, well, You are such a fool. Dancing like that. The king dancing like that. Really? You know what his reply is? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I love it. He goes, uh, he, he retorted to McCall, his wife, I was dancing before the Lord. I was dancing before Jesus who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me the leader of Israel. He did the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before him. Yes. And you know what? I'm willing to look even more foolish, more undignified than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes. He's saying he's greater. I care what he thinks. And I know that he enjoys me when I enjoy him. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. It's hard to say exactly what the psalmist means by this. It could mean day and night. It could mean uh, in sorrow or sickness. It could mean something totally else entirely. But what that sure means is enjoy Jesus. Verse 6, let the heavens, let, excuse me, let the high praises of God be in their throats. Now this is a sudden turn in the psalm. I think what it's referring here is to the end of Revelation when Jesus is going to come and make everything right. Because I don't know about you, but I haven't come to church with a two-edged sword in my hand. (laughs) To execute vengeance on the nations, that's Jesus' job. And punishments on the peoples. The psalm is saying that Jesus is going to let us participate in that in some way, shape, or form. But ultimately, it's the sword from his mouth that conquers all. And you're not going to have to lift a finger. It's just going to be Revelation 19. I think we do ourselves a disservice when we buy into the idea that worship has to be somber or reflective. Dare I say, boring? I wonder if it's sinful. Even I think it probably is when our worship is boring, because we have a God who absolutely is not. Let's look at Psalm 150 before we close. You've heard it read already, but let's look through it. Praise the Lord! Again, I told you that could easily, you can make the connection. Praise Jesus. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the mighty heavens. Again, the sanctuary was the inner room in Jerusalem. So, on the earth, in the heavens, the psalmist is saying, "Praise Him for His mighty deeds. His mighty deeds, like creation, like creation. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. What does that mean? Does does God's excellent greatness ever run out?" What he's, basically what he's saying is there's, The only way that there's a limit to praising God Is if there's a limit to God <laughs> And there's not So keep praising him According to his excellent greatness Praise him with trumpet sound The ram's horn The shofar Praise him with lute and harp I, I wonder Praise him with tambourine and dance I, I wonder if the psalmist wrote this in 2016 What he would write Instead of praise him with the trumpet, praise him with the lute and the harp. Uh, wail on the electric guitar for the Lord Jesus. Bang on the drums. He actually does say that. Loud clashing cymbals. Rock out on the piano. Sing with a loud voice. What is it? Praise the Lord. Praise him with tambourines and dance. If your foot starts moving a little bit, it's okay. It's okay going to be a lot of dancing in heaven. A lot of dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Oh, we're getting wild now, right? Praise him with sounding cymbals, with loud clashing cymbals. This may refer to, to actual cymbals. It could also refer just to clanging pots and pans. Literally. You get home, you got a toddler, a child, or a grandchild in your house sometime, and they pull all the pans out on the floor, and they go like animal on the Muppets on all the pots and pans, and it's just obnoxious. Praise the Lord! <laughs> praise Him with the loud clashing cymbals. He sums it up in verse 6, and this is how I want to sum up our summer. Let everything that has breath, everything that's been created, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. My prayer here as Lucas comes and leads us again in song is that you would sing with all your heart to Jesus because he's first. That, That you would turn your eyes from whatever your situation, again, not negating it, but turn your eyes to a greater affection. Take your eyes off of that for a little bit and and focus on who Jesus is. Amen? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus.
1: Thank you that he is great. And the reality is that
0: he's greater than we could ever imagine. Um, I think the moment, whether I'm on this earth when you come back or uh, should you take my life before that and after I take my last breath and see you face to face, I'll be unbelievably shocked at how much greater you are than I ever imagined. Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to us and Jesus to us today and this week as a church that we would be known as those people who see Jesus as incredibly great because he is. I pray for those this morning, uh, Father, who've never turned to Jesus in faith and trusted you. Holy Spirit, today might you grab their hearts and might they see your glory and repent and turn to you. Uh, might you be exalted in our praise now. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen.